Well, good evening. Again, okay. Um, we are going to uh, talk about testing of the genuine baptism of the Spirit. Uh, it's based out of Acts, so that's what we've been kind of going through, trying to stay to that before we kind of meander otherwise. Um, Acts 10, starting in the 44th verse. Okay, we're going to read it anyway. While Peter was, st- was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. For they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter declared, Can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to remain for some days. We originally started series through because out of Acts, we often want to pattern the church after Acts, but we don't study Acts a lot. Um, I mentioned in probably growing up in a church, I can't remember any time other than the obligatory. You, you came to Pentecost, and so it was obligatory. You read the, the second chapter of Acts, but that was really it. You learned these as sort of individual things. You learned about the stoning of Stephen, which you didn't remember because you were 10. Uh, you learned about, you know, Paul and, you know, the, kind of the, the, the highlights, if you will. You learned about Paul having, you know, the, the blinding light and, and God's, you know, J- Jesus speaking to him and, and all these other things. But you just, you just got, you know, little pieces in order to facilitate kind of a storyline, not really knowing what that is. And somehow we entertain the idea as, as churches, as a body, that we should have, we, we want the same kind of thing. We want those same results. We want thousands upon thousands of people coming uh, upon hearing the word, but somehow it just doesn't seem to come about. Churches that, that flourish, we have no idea why. Uh, churches die when they, you know, when they preach on a regular basis and they sing the right songs and they do the right things and they, and they don't come about and, and we always wonder why. And so several weeks ago when we were talking about how do we come to this, um, I said what we need to do is study the book of Acts, and God really blew this up on me, I'll tell you. We, we haven't really covered other than little small pieces of it, but God just dropped in all of these really heavy things having to do with the baptismal Holy Spirit, uh, the, the, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the, uh, the, the I forget all the, the other ones we've covered. And so we're going to talk about testing for genuine baptism of the Spirit because in a, in a day and age, we kind of take the idea that if someone says they're, they're speaking on behalf of God and they're excitable and, they, and, and it sounds right, it, it's, always, it's always, well, that, that sounds about right. And one, it's because we don't understand or we don't, we, don't, um, we don't immerse ourselves in the scripture or in the word so that we actually know whether it checks out or not. We just basically go on the, on the looks of it and say, yeah, that should be it. And that gets us into all sorts of things where we see things like psychics. Well, well, surely a psychic wouldn't be able to tell us what we, what we know or what we've been through or whatever else if it wasn't from God because God imparts these things. And that's really what we're going to get into that when we're talking about the Holy Spirit, there are things that are of God 
And there are things that are not of God. And that's why in the, in the scriptures, it says that we need to learn to test. And I'm going I'm to read the one. This comes out of 1 John 4, 1. It says, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. One quick second here. I have half an hour and I'm starting now. Okay. Um, God's word directs and instructs those who believe in and follow Christ to use godly discernment um, and make proper judgments about all things that appear to be from the Holy Spirit. That means it's our job. You, you hear all this, don't, don't judge, lest you be judged. This is where in the, in the book, uh, in, in John, in Acts and everything, we are able to discern, we are instructed to discern so that we are not led astray. And that's really what this comes down to because so much of the church has been led in every, every which way but loose and not knowing and not being able to test and understand that because they don't know what is and what is not from God because they don't study the word. So we're going to talk about this, and this really is going to be another one of those that if it hits you between the eyes, good. Um, so the first thing, and, the, and each one of these steps, each one of these, uh, these parts is going to talk about the genuine baptism of the Holy Spirit and if it is not of this, it is not. So we're going we're gonna to get both sides of this so that we can hopefully make, make sense of this. First is a genuine baptism in the Holy Spirit will inspire us to love, honor, and worship God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ more than before. Sounds right? If we, are, if we are filled in the Spirit, if the Spirit is in us, if we are baptized in the Spirit, if we have God's Spirit in us, it should inspire us, it should provoke us to go seeking more and more and falling more and more in love and to, to honor and worship because he is, he is worthy of the worship. It drives us towards God. Amen? But any spiritual experience that draws our attention, prayers, worship, or affections towards anything or anyone other than God and the Lord Jesus is not from God. And this is really convicting. When we talk about looking at worship songs and other things along those lines, there may be things that given from one person or another, you can, you can sing the same things and you can get two completely different experiences out of them. It's, it's really where we, where we somehow need to start questioning when we hear, when we hear worship, when we're, when we're getting to the heart of it, is the message true and is the presenter true? Because the fact is that you, you can, you can have someone who is not of God preaching the, the scriptures on and on, and the word is in fact translated and sent correctly, but the word that is being, that, that is being preached is not. And that's really, and it's in the, it's in all of the, the in-betweens. It's being able to, to hear kind of in-between. What is the, what is the motivation? What is the, uh, the, 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 uh, the sense that comes with it? What is the experience? And is this truly a Holy Spirit experience or is this a, a, a human-driven experience? Is this a, a, an experience that's driven by the, by the lights and the sounds and the drums and everything else that's going on? What is the experience? And, um, I talked about um, John Wesley several times, and the, I want to bring back the idea of emotionalism. 
The idea of being filled in the spirit and being driven towards that or whatever is not about our emotions. It is not about what gives us a high, what, what gives us a feeling of this because feelings are deceptive. You know, and we, we talked about some, that, that there were times Jonathan Edward, who was a, a Puritan preacher uh, in, the, in the, the 16, 1700s, would be able to preach in a very monotone voice, speaking the word of God as it was, and it would, draw, it would bring terror into the hearts of sinners so that they would come to God in order to do that. It was not about the emotionalism, it was about the truth that was there. And that's so, that's, so that's, that's the one thing. Um, a genuine bat- the second one, genuine baptism of the Spirit will make us more, as- sorry, more attentive to our relationship with the Heavenly Father, assuring us that He loves and cares for us as His children. It does not result uh, in a deeper friendship. Uh, sorry, if it does not result in a deeper friendship with Christ and a deeper awareness of God's care and companionship. It is not from God. You hear all of these, all these fire and brimstone preachers, and the idea is to somehow make you feel worse about this, like somehow you're lucky to have God, and God, God really doesn't like you, but God has to take pity on you. That seems to be kind of that feeling about it. That's really kind of that, that discerning word, that, that defining part is, is the word, is, the, is the, the preacher, is the speaker, is the person you're relating to, is this drawing you towards the understanding that God is, is in love with you and loves you and wants to, to do things in, you know, in, in your life and wants to bless you. What, what, what uh, Greg was talking about, of, of the, really the prosperity gospel, and I think he, he hit it right on the head, the prosperity gospel is not about prospering in money. It's about prospering in God's spirit and God's blessings for that. It is driving us towards that in that same essence, towards what God wants to do, not drawing us away. But there are those that will continually preach this idea, this, this uh, I, I don't want to say gospel and hatred in the same word, but they really kind of go in hand in hand that they try to come up with the idea that you're supposed to be, if you'll excuse the phrase, scared the hell out of you. That the, 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 whole, the whole notion is that you're supposed to have hell scared out of you, and that's why you come to Christ. That is not of God. We're, we're, we have a loving God who sent his son to die for us. These are all loving actions. And our motivation or people's motivation to somehow become Christians because they want to escape hell is not a genuine experience. They have been deceived in, into doing this in, into the idea that somehow their whole notion of salvation is about escaping hell rather than being fulfilled in life. You see the difference in there? That a yes? No? Okay. The difference really is are we driven towards, towards an understanding that God loves us and as, as a result we're driven more and more in love with God or are we driven in a, in a sense that we're driven away because we believe God doesn't like us and we, and we have to do whatever it takes to stay out of his way and out of, his, out of the problems?
Right. Yeah. And I... Right. It's, it's not a matter of, of not having a, a fear or an understanding that God is sovereign and we need to, to have a, a deep, holy respect for it. And I, and I don't want to make it sound like this is all external, like somehow we're supposed to evaluate the preacher on a Sunday morning and does this draw us closer or not. The fact is that if we have the Holy Spirit in us and our experience or our, or our understanding of it draws us away from God because of a, of a fear in a sense that, that God is gonna, God is gonna judge us, God's gonna send us to hell, whatever else. And so we do it out of fear. And I, and I, I'm trying to find the, the way to, to differentiate because we're, we're to, we are to fear God. We're to, we're, maybe the difference is, is fear and afraid. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It it we have a holy fear of God. We have a fear that you know that we because it's respect, it's an honor You knew there were consequences, but it, it was to it was to help draw you towards the righteous or the what was good decisions, rather than I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna get in trouble. I'm gonna do this, and and my parents are gonna lower the boom, or they're gonna beat me to you know to an inch of my life, and literally being afraid to go home. That that's that's the whole notion of this: is do we have an experience, or does someone draw us in a in a way that draws us away from God rather than toward God? And that's really where all of these kind of come down to: is is the experience drawing us towards God, His holiness, His word, His character, His uh, His uh, f- the the fruit, or is it drawing us away? And that's that's really something that, that if we don't understand the difference between them, we can we can have people getting drawn away on a regular basis. And of course, the only thing that, that draws us away from God doesn't draw us into the church. It, draw, it draws us to be separated from the body, and it exercises it, it exercises, if you will, people away from the church because they don't want that. They know somehow innately this is wrong. And it will drive them away. And so that's why it's important for us to understand this and to discern that and call it where it is in order to, to find that repentance. The third one here says that the, the true, uh, genuine baptism in the Holy Spirit will cause a greater love for and appreciation of God's word. I've, I've talked about this over and over that we need to be in God's word and a true baptism of the Holy Spirit draws us to God's word. Because that is, the, that is the way we are fed. That is the way we, we receive the, the living water, as, as Jesus talks about. It is what drives us to flourish rather than something that draws us away or causes us to, to leave. I, I kind of liken it, and I've, I've been in the, in the same place, that somehow you go and you get training and you read everything and you, and you have it like it's, a, like it's a knowledge base, and then you leave it. And the problem is that, that I can say as a, as a pastor, doing ministry that way means that you're really good up front. 
You've got a really good understanding. You've studied the word. It's fresh in your mind. But over time, it wanes. And now as it wanes, you no longer have the energy. You no longer have the support. You no no longer have that enthusiasm. And what it comes down to is you have plugged in the the cell phone. You've let it go for, for, you know, to to be completely charged. And you've unplugged it and think that the rest of your life that phone is going to stay charged. And that's really what it comes down to is that that true baptism of the Holy Spirit draws us towards that outlet. It draws us towards the, the source of our, of our power. It draws us to the source of the, of the Spirit of God because that is what, what enables us to, to discern right from wrong, good from bad, to be able to, to relate the, the gospel to people. And, of course, the opposite of this, then, is that... Um, any spiritual experience that does not increase our hunger to read and, here's the word, obey. We, we hate the word obey. As a, as a culture, we don't like the word obey because we somehow think, I'm, I'm my own person and I have rights and I have this and I have that. Obey is the clear word. Throughout scripture, it talks about obedience. You are not in control of your own destiny when you have accepted Christ because you have chosen to be a slave to Christ because of his holiness, his righteousness, his, his goodness, his mercy, everything. We have chosen to be slaves to the gospel and anything that, that draws us away from that and a love, to, a love for God's word and obedience to it. It's not of God. It's not a, a true test. It's not a true uh, spiritual experience. A genuine baptism of the Holy Spirit will deepen our love and concern for other followers of Christ. Let me read that again. It will deepen our love and concern for other followers of Christ. How many times has Greg said over and over, people matter to God, so they matter to us. That is the nature of, the, of the, the spiritual relation is that our experience should put us more and more in love with God's people. There was a, a person this morning and talking about, you know, what, what, will bring a, you know, what will bring a nation back to God? Of course, we're, we're approaching uh, September 11th after 20 years and those types of things. And, and over and over, my, my, my thought for it, and you can disagree with it if you want, but when it comes down to it, never forget does not come down necessarily to us remembering all of the, the great things that people did when we were in crisis. It is a continual call to don't forget to hate the people that did this. And all it does is puts us further and further away from loving God's people. There are, there are missionaries that were over in Afghanistan that gave their lives for those people prayed for them till the end. I have no doubt the one that I, I don't remember the missionary we had several years ago. He was in Afghanistan as well. And the love for those people was evident. If nothing else out of that entire evening, we were more in love with people that we were taught to hate somehow because God loved those people and wanted them to have a relationship. And that missionary was constantly drawing them to Jesus Christ. Yeah. And that's, that's really what this comes down to is, oh, yeah. 
The, the experience, does the experience draw us closer to God's people, to love them, to bring them into a loving relationship with Jesus Christ, or does it drive us towards something else to have some, some self-righteous ability to, to justify our hatred? That, that's really kind of the, the stark reality for that. I, I do find it interesting that, that within the last several years, there's been a dramatic difference between you bring people of the same Islamic faith, if you will, and at one point in time, there were states saying, no, we don't want to take these refugees. We don't want to do anything along those lines, whatever else. And then all of a sudden, when we start seeing people dropping from planes, all of a sudden we're like, yes, we'll take them. Yes, we'll take them. Yes, we'll take them. And it's the same ones that refused it before. This is the, this is the spiritual schizophrenia that we deal with when it is not a true spiritual experience because God's spirit will always draw us towards what is on God's heart. And what matters to God's heart is God's people. Amen? The fifth one says a genuine baptism in the Holy Spirit must be preceded by true repentance. It's not just saying the, saying the words and, and figuring it out or hiding ourselves behind it or looking good in church and we do, we do something else. It's, it's, it's a true experience is, is preceded by by true, sorry, a true experience is preceded by true repentance. And that's really where it comes down to. It's, it's living in that, that salvation that we talk about, not, not as a one-time event, but a continual, that we walk on a journey towards holiness in that, salv- that salvific property that God's spirit gave us. There, there was a, a thought that came to mind and we, we talked about a couple weeks ago the, the three acts of, of grace. We talked about provenient grace or that preventing grace where, God, where God's inside of us and, and drawing us towards himself. There's the justifying grace that, that, that draws us and justifies us to it. And then we have the, the purifying grace. But it sounds as though those are, those are three separate events. Like somehow they're there. And the fact is it is the one spirit that draws throughout all of that salvation is not a one-time event. Amen? No more than if you, if you got yourself into hot water, that as soon as you turned around, you were no longer in hot water or near it, right? You were simply faced away from it, and the job was to walk away from it. That is a journey. That is that, that, is that grace. That is the, that spiritual experience that draws us out of repentance and has us seeking that act of repentance until we have rid our lives, until God has rid our lives of that, uh, of that, that unholiness, that, that, that human earth, flesh, that's what I was looking for, that, that, that love for the flesh. The things that, that we that satisfy us, that, that satisfy our desires and whatever else, that we instead go through that, that salvation day by day by day until we are made perfect, we are made pure in God's Holy Spirit. But that's why this is, this is always moving towards that. Any person who has not accepted Christ's forgiveness and been set free from sin cannot experience a true baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I want you to hear true baptism. It is not a full baptism. It is not complete. The fact is that God's Spirit continually wants to seek us out and will still be an experience, but it is not a full experience. 
It is not the full value of what God's spirit wants to, wants to impart upon us because that sin cannot allow it to live so long as that sin is, is allowed to be justified. And I have, I've spent a long time, so I'm going to testify for that, I've spent a long time trying to live a double life. At different points saying, well, everything is there, but we, we get up to 90%, but there was always that creature comfort sin. There was always that thing that said, well, God really doesn't think this, or I could find other ways. And I, I admit, it was back in high school when I said, well, okay, if you're saved, then are you going to hell because you do this? And someone was dumb enough to tell me what I wanted to hear. And it ran for the next 20 or 30 years. As long as I could find some loophole, some way to be able to get through it, I could, I, could, I, could, I could look at myself in the mirror. Well, the problem was I didn't look at myself in the mirror near enough to be able to realize you're lying to yourself, buddy. And that's where this comes about is with true repentance, is it enables that ability to first seek out. Because you no longer allow for that, that, uh, that earthly spirit to continue to, to drive you, you, will, you allow the Spirit to be able to take over and drive you towards what God, is, what God considers as, as holy. So, and the next one gets into this. Um, six says, a genuine baptism of the Holy Spirit will increase our dissatisfaction with activities that offend God and defy his, spiritual, his spiritually pure nature. Any spiritual experience that allows the acceptance of ungodly behaviors, beliefs, and lifestyles that are common in the world is not of God. If there is a spiritual experience that somehow has tried to justify or repackage or anything else to be able to say that these two things can live in concert with each other, it is wrong. I have found it wrong. Probably the greatest parts of my life was when I stopped looking for loopholes. And really, that's where, that's where the, the spirit comes from, is it wants to eradicate everything that brings about death. And it brings about a spiritual death for it. It can, but I, th- I think it's, it l- let's go back to that, that idea that, that as, we, as we walk in salvation, that is the, that is the path that we, that we progress away from sin. And the baptism of the Holy Spirit is the point at which we say, I am completely renouncing everything that is not of God. I am renouncing every sin, everything that I've tried to justify, everything else. I am calling, untru- I am calling what is as what it should not be. To, to reverse a, a phrase. Well, and, and I think I know where you're going. The, yes, you, you still have those times, and that's where the Spirit will convict. But that's the, the whole nature of true repentance is I do not want this. I do not want what God does not want. I do not want what, what is offensive to God, what does not ref, reflect obedience. And there are several times that I'll be scrolling through Facebook or whatever, and that little thing keeps coming in the back of my mind, and the Spirit is now convicted going, go away. And that's, that, so, so that, is, that is true. The, the Spirit, having a, a, a true Holy Spirit uh, baptism will correct those things where sin keeps trying to, to, to seep back in. So that... Right. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
Right. Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And if and if we think back to to what Jesus was talking about, he he said he said, if you are to follow me, if you are to be my disciples. Lay, lay down, sell everything you have, get rid of everything, lay down your life and follow me. Pick up your cross and follow me. It is a continual day by day by day of laying down what, what will kill us and taking up what will redeem us, even though we are, and we are, we are daily putting to death our selfish desires. Yeah. But Jesus said, if, if you're to be to my disciple, you'll take up your cross and follow me to kind of merging those together. But yeah, exactly. Laying down what's there is, is Paul's as well. And I'm sure I'll hit it sometime again. Okay. Seventh, a true genuine baptism, sorry, a genuine baptism in the Holy Spirit will give us a greater desire and power. Say that word, power. Power. Uh, to <laughs> Power. <laughs> yeah, um, a genuine baptism in the Holy Spirit will give us a greater desire and power to spread the message about forgiveness, spiritual salvation, and the gift of God of eternal life through faith in Jesus Christ. It again draws us not, not so much to, to God in this way, but it but it sends us out. So, so whereas before it was, we, we keep drawing in, it drives us closer to God, closer to God, closer to God. It also sends us out with the message, with the, with the heart of God to be able to relate the message about forgiveness, spiritual salvation, and the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ. I think there, there needs to be something drawn out of this, and, I, and we, we talked about it a little bit before, this idea of evangelism being perceived as going out and knocking people over the head with the Bible and telling them how worthless they are without Jesus is not a true spiritual experience. It, and and there, are, there are those that will do that still because they feel justified in that because they've got this, this righteous anger. And the problem is that all they are is, is just you know, self-righteous hatred that wants to make them feel better rather than drawing it towards that. I mean, and of course, the... Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I always come back to the, to the question is how is your whatever, whether, whether it's your actions, your talk, your whatever, how is this glorifying God? How is this drawing someone to a loving God? It's kind of, it, let, let's, let's use the, the, the biggest example. What's, what's the, the name of the West, West something up in Kansas, the, the church that goes and, and shouts and protests and all sorts of things? Oh, it's not in Kansas. Yeah. Westgate, West something. Them, yeah. That, that Baptist church. The idea that somehow what they're known for is what they hate. 
We hate, we hate, we hate. And when you, when you talk about it, the entire gospel is, is missing out of them because their whole thing is to be righteously indignant and angry and hateful about those that are in sin. Whereas the, the fact is that Jesus was all but that approaching anyone that was in sin. There was not a single person that didn't have some sin in their lives that Jesus did not, in, in fact, draw to the, to the Holy Spirit, draw to himself in order to change out of that love, not out of beating them over the head. Right. Right. Yeah. And uh, so a lot of times people know more about what we are against and what we're for. And the truth is, we serve a loving God that loves us and cares for us. And that speaks greater volumes than telling people what we are against. Right. And that, that's exactly it. Are we, are we, are we relating something? We're not necessarily, we're not justifying their faith. But we're drawing in the in the idea. I, I'll I'll use the example. There was a, um, and I, I talked about the 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 two that were uh, that were lesbians getting married and all these other things. And when it came down to it, what really made a difference was being able to tell them or to tell the, the one that they were loved by God. That, that God had a different plan for their lives because I didn't believe in a God that would purposely make her that way that would constantly cause her pain because that is not what God wants. God has a completely different plan for her and anyone else caught in that lifestyle because he wants them to be filled with joy. He wants them to know that they are of eternal worth to him. They, he wants them to know that they are sacred rather than this somehow this idea that the only way you get pride is to be able to, to come to this idea that you, that you own your sinfulness and everyone else will justify it. That, that doesn't change anything. No more, no, no more than if you, if you shout at someone down the street and tell them that they're living out, outside of sin and they're going to go to hell or whatever else, that doesn't change God's love for them either. It just changed their perception of you, of you telling them and wanting to be like you. We, we continually look at the gospel is, is rejected not because there is something wrong with the gospel or with Jesus Christ or belief in that, but they leave or they go away because they don't want to be like us. Not us necessarily individually, but us as a, as a church, us as people that, they, that they're represented by having all that judgment and that anger and that hatred, they're not seeing that love of Jesus that we supposedly talk about. That's always an after effect. So again, um, we, uh, any experience that, that does not result in a greater result, result, does not result in a greater desire to see others come to, G, to know Christ personally is not from God. The eighth one, uh, a genuine baptism of the Holy Spirit will cause us to be more open and receptive to the Spirit's work and purposes within the church as a whole and in our individual lives. And that was a little long. Let me say that again. It will cause us to be more open and receptive to the Spirit's work and purposes within the church as a whole 
and in our individual lives. In other words, we are mindful, a true spiritual experience helps us to be mindful of what God is doing in our midst, what the Spirit is doing in our midst, where the Spirit is moving, how the Spirit is moving, both in the, the, the church as a whole, as a, as a body, as well as in us individually, that we are conscious of that. And anyone that does not result in, a more, in more obvious works of the Spirit in our lives is not consistent with the experience of New Testament Christians. And that's really where that comes down. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is not about me. It's not about you. It's not about us as individuals having some greater power and something else that we can wield or whatever else. It continually draws us into being a part of the body and being mindful of what God wants to do in us personally as a part of that whole as well as what God wants to do with the whole. And we will talk about in the future, I don't know if it's next week or, before or after, but when we talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, that is that expression if the if the, the if the spiritual nature if the if the spiritual experience does not does not push us towards action in the spirit's workings both personally and and within the within the, the the body of the church we do not have a true spiritual experience because the the gifts are not ours the the uh, the, the expressions are not ours they are the spirits and if we are not working out that and aware and cautious of what God wants to do and what God is doing and moving us to do, if we are not obedient to that spirit, we do not have that spirit. I like the word obvious. That means you, you, this is not a, a work behind the scenes and you can do this and just pat yourself on the back that things are going. It is obvious. And it is obvious to the, to the, to the working of the church. It is obvious to the body. And the last one. I didn't go too far over. The genuine baptism of the Holy Spirit will cause us to be more conscious of the work, guidance, and presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Any spiritual experience that does not increase our awareness of the Spirit's presence and strengthen our desire to follow His leading is not a, true, is not a genuine experience of the Holy Spirit. I'll give you the last. In addition, anything that does not reinforce our goal to please God, to accomplish his purposes for our lives, and to live in such a way that we promote his work in every aspect is not from God. Our salvation is not just about escaping hell. It is about bringing heaven on earth through the Holy Spirit, through our relationship with Jesus Christ, through the, through the Father's provision. And all of these come down to we need to, to experience and be conscious of what the Spirit is doing in our lives, how the Spirit is moving us, where it's moving us towards. And sometimes it, it can be overwhelming. It's overwhelming to wonder, where do I need to look next? And there are some times that I just have to stop and go, I guess if I'd stop talking, you'd start, t- you'd start saying something back. So there are times when our consciousness, our understanding is that we can be cautious of what God is doing, what the Spirit is moving in us personally. And it's again because this, just as I said that this is not about us, the fact is that we are not, we are not mindless, you know, uh, soulless people either. 
the salvation that, that, that Jesus Christ brought us, that the Holy Spirit imparted upon us, was because, as a, as a full circle, it was because he loved us. It's that, it's that old cheesy phrase that, that if, if I was the only one alive, Jesus still would have died for me. And that's really where this comes down to. This is not just about being utilitarian. This is the fact that we are, that we are important to God's plan and God's purposes. <coughs> and so a true, a genuine experience will draw us to understand what God wants to do with us personally and in us. And he will continually meld us, as, as, as she mentioned. It's a, it's a process that continually purifies us, that, that, uh, that sanctifies, that, that's the big $20 word, that sanctifies us. And that's really where this comes down when we, when we talk about that God's will is that we would be holy just as he is holy, that we would be pure as he is pure. That is because it is possible through the baptism of the Holy Spirit and continually allowing God's Spirit to mold us and shape us and purify us and, and um, yeah, purifies. Basically to take out the impurities that are there and it's a time and time again. You watch someone, we, we, we sang a song several weeks about uh, the, the purifier, uh, purifier my heart and talking about, you know, gold and precious silver, a person that is actually purifying that gold or that silver takes several swipes through because it doesn't just come off the top all, of one, all at one time. They have to continually purify and pull off the top those impurities until there are no more. And God is, God is faithful to do that, and God's Spirit will do that, but we have to stop accepting less than what God's, what God's best is for us. And what God's best is for us is that we would receive the Holy Spirit, that we would receive the, the spirit of baptism, that we would receive the spirit of salvation, and that we would re- receive the Holy Spirit that purifies us day by day until we are pure as Christ is pure. So that we have the same mind, the body, the strength, the, the character, that, God's, that, that God has. And God, if, if God, if it, was not, if it was not possible, I do not believe in a God that would, that would put a, a carrot out there that we cannot reach. It is every bit as possible, but we have to stop accepting the idea that I'm only human. Because we are more, what's that word you use? We are more than conquerors. We are conquering the spirit more than anything else. The, the, the fight is not with flesh and blood, but with the spirit of, and principalities. I'm really poorly paraphrasing that. Yeah. That is, the, that is the nature of all of this, is that we would be able to discern and test and understand the spirits so that we continually move towards holiness and purity and, and stop allowing the church and others to be driven away from it because something sounds good or someone says it's from God's word or they paraphrase it. That's, that's the, the one word I want to leave you with is the idea of proof texting. Reject the idea of proof texting where someone pulls or plucks a scripture out of the, out of the Bible and makes it say what they want it to say and justifies their personal impure opinion with that holy word of God. The word is inspired and, and given to us to be 
uh, correcting and purifying and joyful and all these other things. And we cannot accept anything less for someone proof texting a message that is not of God. I think one of the one of the greatest things that I've found, and I don't want to pump his head too full of it, but prior to coming here, there was probably not a, not a, very many preachers that could a keep my attention or b help me to grow spiritually, except for your pastor, because in true in true nature, the the true spiritual experience is that the, that, the, that the Spirit of God echoes. When, when Greg's preaching, and there are times that, that, that I don't necessarily agree with where, where things go, but, the, but by and large, what comes out is that what, what comes out from him is because God's Spirit has been breathed out and breathed in by him, and that Spirit, that Word, echoes back for what the understanding is. Because I have, I have the understanding, I've got the, the, the education for it, for whatever else that comes out for the basis to be able to understand at least not necessarily everything, but to be able to understand a good, good notion and to not have somehow listening to it and going, that's not what the scripture says. Do you know how infuriating it is to listen to a preacher and, and just try to keep your mouth shut when all you want to say is, that is not what the Bible says, and they are misleading the entire congregation. Because they are, they are preaching their opinion and proof texting or, or bringing in scripture as a sermon example. True, true preaching, true inspiration, um, what we call homiletics or hermeneutics, is that, that, the, that the spirit of God echoes back and forth. It identifies. And that's really where, where that comes down. We need to be more in love with God's word. We need to be driven towards it so that that can echo. Because otherwise what it, what it does is it echoes around in our brains and we question, was that true or not? Because we don't know. And the worst would be if we just settle for it and say, I'm not going to find out. I'll just take the word for it. They, they dressed really nice this Sunday, so sure, I'll take that. Because we don't care. The true spiritual experience drives us to seek out the answers and to then be able to receive and to echo so that it so that it purifies us and refines that around. And I think that's really one of the one of the greatest tragedies in the in the universal church today is we have so many people that don't know and we have so many more that don't care. Because they've been they've been taught to do so. It's a lot, it is a lot easier for a pastor to be able to preach on a, on a Sunday morning, put something together when no one will ever question it, when no one will come up, when no one will be draw, drawn away, and everyone is, is given this sense of, I, you know, I'm, I'm being good or, or I'm being useful or something else, very utilitarian and patting ourselves on the back, but when it comes down to it, there's no growth. I, I envision that 
God wants to do mighty works. And there's probably a good reason I, I mentioned to Greg, there's a reason that his sermons keep changing over and over again. It's because God is doing something and the word that he was going to preach eight months ago when he put the, when he put the, the idea together no longer is relevant. And God, has, God is breathing a new spirit for that as well. And that is what, that's what God's doing in us too. We, were not, we are not the same people we were eight months ago. This is not the same gathering it was eight months ago. God is, God is moving on a Sunday night and, the, uh, sorry, on a Wednesday, I forget what day it is. God is moving on a Wednesday night like nothing else. And the question is, where are the people that need that touch of God? Because some days I feel a little guilty drawing it in and, and being able to see all this when the fact is that the, my desire we've, we've talked about, I've, I've said several times, I want people to best be set free. And I think there's, there's a lot of freedom that's been realized out of, out of this night because the Spirit is, is moving and driving us and we are open to it. And there are so many more that I want for them to be free. And, I, and I'm thinking it can't be said just from, a, just from a pulpit. It can't be just an announcement. It has to be one-on-one. If there is someone that we know that needs to be freed from whatever Satan's hold on them is, we need to personally invite them. Because being passive doesn't work. And I, I think if, if, we, if we truly reflect that, that needs to be something that, that we want to, in, in that, that, what we talked about, that it draws us closer to be in love with God's people and to draw them closer to Jesus Christ through that too. So, I'm sorry, I'm rambling. So, it's not preaching anymore if you come out here and just start talking. <laughs> Okay.